Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to Hail Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hail Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Welcome to it. Great to be with you. It's Hale Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. And a busy midweek edition. Uh, some recruiting to talk about. A local product is off to Ames. Uh, we'll spend some time with historian, author, and Hall of Famer Mike Babcock. We've had to audible a little bit. Uh, no shoey today. Uh, Mike Shuart will check in with him down the road and then bill bender gonna be with us we'll talk some college football some big 10 with the senior writer with uh, the sporting news and get bill bender's take on the big 10 a jock doc with dr brandon seifert rounds things out numbers to get in can join us today 466-3776-466-3776-800-825 Five eight six five. Can email the show Chris at HaleVarsity dot com, and uh, can always find and follow us on Twitter, uh, Chris Schmidt at Schmidt underscore Radio. That's me and Elijah Herbal at Herbal Essence for Elijah. So uh, a lot to get into. Some NFL thoughts. If you hate, imagine yourself as as a as a player. If you hate doing the media thing. And you you want to get out of out of big out of out of Big Ten media days for sure out of SEC media days. We'll tell you how you can pull that off. And Mike Leach, our dear friend, the Pirate, will talk about uh, who he wants to to beat up. It's not quite a a list of people I want to kill like uh, Billy Madison, but 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 Leach is not a fan of the man who invented neckties. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we will go there. We are going to have Benny Nagoy with us this hour. Fair to say, hopefully, hopefully working on working on locking in an official time, but we'll we'll have him at some point today. I'd say good. That that's awesome to to run down, Benny. Uh, let's just get into it. Uh, standout wide receiver from Lincoln High, Benny Nagoy, uh, a three star prospect, is off to Ames. And that's really, really cool for him. Um, I, I think you look at a guy like Benny and his talent, his size, his speed. We're talking 6'4", 195, uh, uh, incredible wideout uh, for the Lynx. Six touchdowns, almost 500 yards receiving. Also really talented player in the defensive back. 40 time, a 4'3", vert, 42 inches, broad jump, 10'10". His wingspan is six foot ten. Uh, Nebraska was uh, a program that offered Benny Nagoy. University of Washington was a place for an official visit, as was 
uh, aims for for Benny, and his announcement came today, and uh, really impressed for him to uh, to find his way. Look, Coach Campbell does a hell of a job. He's a really good football coach, and this hurts for a lot of Nebraska fans because you're losing a kid just down the road from the stadium. Uh, and and to be to be fair to Nebraska on this, Nebraska has. 10 has 10 in-state offers for 2023 right they have five commitments from in-state they've also lost out on on mcintyre to oklahoma all right the kid out of fremont they they uh didn't offer but but flores is is off to oklahoma state and now this is the third kid in in the, the 2023 cycle that's going off to a big 12 school uh or formerly a big 12 school we'll see what shakes out but listen, this isn't easy uh, for Nebraska fans to lose a talent like Benny Nagoy. Uh, if you're Nebraska, though, I mean, the reality is you, you have a number of receivers that have already Elijah committed to this class. And Malachi Coleman is the prize target, not just for Nebraska, but he's a prize target for a, a lot of college football programs out there as, as, uh, as Malachi's uh, recruitment continues to heat up, but also his standing continues to rise into that top 100 recruit level uh, if you're into to recruiting rankings. But, uh, you know, this is – listen, if I'm a Nebraska fan, it's a bit bittersweet. I'm so excited for Benny to get to, to Iowa State and play for a high-level program, a program that won 10 ball games just a couple of years ago. Uh, and if I'm a Nebraska fan, I'm also like, man, that guy would be so good to see wearing the red end. But good for Benny uh, making the pick and finding his way to Ames uh, with um, with all of his talent. So he made that announcement at one. We'll have him on here hopefully this hour. And, and the question for me is, as Nebraska, do you want to have an in-state commit just for the sake of having an in-state commit? Or do you actually want to bring in guys that are going to have a place within this program? And the way I see it is as soon as uh, Nebraska O'Marion Miller in the boat, it kind mm-hmm. of took that same role spot from Benny Nagoy in terms of Long, lanky, athletic, um, might not be the, the fastest guy in the, the world right now, but he can beat you with speed. It, it's They seemed a little bit like for like for me, and as soon as O'Marion Miller was in the boat, I kind of looked at it and went, well, now this kind of takes away a spot for a guy like Benny Nagoy, just because they do very similar things, and uh, that's how college recruitment goes. You don't necessarily want to bring in two guys who do the exact same thing and are going to be you know, competing year in, year out, because only one of those guys is going to see the field more than likely. So do you bring in a guy just for the sake of having a guy or, or do you kind of take a step back and say, what's actually best for this kid? Well, there's a what's best for your program in terms of bringing a guy in. But then you also have to look at it. And if you're building trust with a guy in terms of recruitment, mm-hmm. there's also the factor of telling a guy, hey, this is actually what's best for you. And I wonder if that's the case here, just because sure, sure. Nebraska's wide receiver class is filling up and it seems like they were pretty in on Benny Nagoy and then almost felt like it cooled off. Didn't hear his name very much in recent weeks once Nebraska started getting some other wide receivers in. So I wonder if this was Nebraska going, hey, that Iowa State opportunity you got there, that's actually a pretty good opportunity for you. And I, I would agree with that from my time and what I know about the uh, the Iowa State football program. That's a, a great program down there, and uh, I, I think he made a great choice. Sure. No, and, and I think you're, you're spot on. I mean, it's not that Nebraska doesn't want Benny Nagoy. It's not that Nebraska wouldn't take Benny Nagoy. It's that it's really a first-come, first-serve, committable offer situation where you only have a certain amount of spots. <laughs> you only have uh, a certain amount of, of position groups you can 
go after, and, and you nailed it with the, the body type. You can't go recruit three of the same body type slash position. You need you know, three to five wide receivers that all can do some things different and all absolutely can do the same thing at a high level, and that's run and catch. So you look at, at, at Benny and you look at the, the trip to Washington, that's big time, right? Uh, you look at, at how much time he spent at Iowa State, and the, the question is this, was Nebraska actively recruiting? And he had an offer, but Benny wanted to check out his options and see what was the best fit for him. You also have Ben Brommer. He's wide out tight end, kind of a combo deal. So uh, the, the reality is this, you have, you have a spot left, at wide receiver that is you have a table reserved for Malachi Coleman. Mm-hmm. Period. End of discussion. And Benny Nagoy is a guy that... He, he would have been a luxury, not a necessity for this recruiting class. Based on what they've already landed in. Yes. And listen, you, you just wonder in about three and a half, four years, because Nebraska has... <laughs> Nebraska has had a, a bad habit here during the, the Campbell era. Of, of guys in their vicinity, right, ending up at Iowa State kicking butt, taking names. Think about Hall the running back, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the neon light to me. And, man, I hope Benny goes for a 1,000-yard season the minute he gets to Ames. Uh, good dude, really good dude, and uh, we should have him here shortly. Uh, you, you had the running back room that's a topic of conversation as the uh, position breakdown previews continue. And uh, you have Coach Applewhite that is uh, excited. He's steady. He's real. And he knows how to uh, to get the most out of, a, out of a running back room. And his words last night to the network trending in the right direction – and, and to me, I look at a guy like Applewhite, and he is very direct. He's very honest. He is about the standard. I mean, he, that, that's, that's a talking point he never misses or waits to hit on, is that, uh, that standard that he wants to hit. He spent some time last night talking about where the room gravitated toward what direction the room was going uh, by the end of spring. And he felt really good about where uh, that, uh, that room ended. Can they start off, as they say, with the ground, hitting the ground running uh, with the running back room? And Elijah, I'm excited uh, with the running back options. I think Anthony Grant could be big time. I think uh, Yant is dedicated to, to keeping his weight down and, uh, I like the communication, the follow-up that's going on with Applewhite and Yant. And uh, honestly, Ramir Johnson, I, I know he kind of wowed against Michigan, and he impressed with his tough running in Big Ten play. But Ramir Johnson as, God, and, and it's not fair because I think Brandon Jackson's maybe a little bit thicker. But they're both kind of, a, they, they're both guys, that's my comp, right? Ramir Johnson reminds me a little bit of Brandon Jackson. Uh, Ramir's a guy that, uh, don't be surprised if you're, if you're listening to Coach Applewhite, that you don't see lined up in the slot. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that could, that could be really nice in the Whipple offense. That could be really nice on some third and fives. How many of us died on New Year's Day 
over the years or even against a Washington or a, or a three-wide ace formation uh, situation where it was third down and you, you ran trips to one side and the dump off to Napoleon Kaufman. I'm going back to PTSD PSD time against uh, Washington in their national championship season. But those backs on linebackers uh, used to wear Nebraska out until they, they got Ed Stewart and, uh, and Mike Anderson and, and uh, Phil Ellis. Nebraska switched their defense, countered. It was great. But Ramir Johnson's a guy that can cause some problems to opposing defenses because of what he can do matchup-wise. And I think it's the ultimate way of saying that we might have more talent in the room this year than we did before, is saying that your guy that was, by the end of last season, your bell cow, is now going to be a guy that's going to have to find a different role in order to get on the field. If that's what this means by reading into Applewhite's comments, Mm -hmm. I think it's an ultimate sign of, yeah, things are trending up for the running backs, that... Ramir Johnson was great for us last season, but the only way he's going to be able to get on the field this year is in these slot situations, these third down situations where he can kind of fill that role that we saw, uh, I guess, from Wandale Robinson a couple years ago. But then you have Anthony Grant and Yant that can be your guys that are your bell cows. They're going to be toting the rock on first down and second down. And then, oh, we get to a third and five situation. We're going to be throwing the ball. Let's get uh, Ramir Johnson in the game and get him in the slot and get him in in a matchup that we like against say, a linebacker, even a safety. Um, that, that, I think, is just the ultimate sign of the talent improving in the room um, under Coach Applewhite and with some new additions. Well, it, it's also kind of outlining and in, in hollowing out a, a role. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, it's so key to have, have guys that can do about anything you ask them, but what are they fantastic at? You know, Yance, yeah, a big guy that has short area quickness and some speed burst, and he can run around here or through you when he's at that play and wait. It'll be interesting to see where Gabe Irvin comes in and how he comes back from injury. You know he's been working hard. You know he's anxious to do it. The dude's a smart, smart football player. And uh, can you see him really come back confident? That's the biggest question I have is as gruesome as that knee injury was against Oklahoma. Can Irvin come back confident? And, and, and ready to go. Uh, Anthony Grant's a dude that I think Nebraska just got a monster steal. Yep. And of. I and I, I think just from watching him, athletically, he's got it. But one thing he's got that I don't think I've seen in Husker running backs in a couple of years has been that vision. And it's been mm-hmm. small sample size where you go watch his film. and The jump go, cut on touch football. Yeah, but, but then yeah. you, you go watch some of his spring game stuff, and it looks like he sees the field differently than a running back that Nebraska's had in a couple of years. Maybe back to Divine Zigbo. Divine is, Divine is Zigbo. Another Iowa State offer. Well, I mean, once he started getting some some confidence, started getting some touches, you kind of saw his vision mm-hmm. um, that he had on the football field. And that's kind of the guy I go back to. But if, if you want to go back further than that, you might have to go back to Terrell Newby, maybe. Okay. I, I thought Terrell Newby saw the field pretty well. And that, that's what I see in Anthony Grant, if you want maybe a, a comp, which mm-hmm. is probably way too early and without even seeing the offense. But some a guy like Terrell Newby is kind of what I see in Anthony Grant. A guy, um, he's not going to be the fastest guy, not going to be the most physical guy, but sees the field well, hits the hole, and picks up the five, six yards whenever he can. A.J. Allen, Emmett Johnson, both touched on by Coach Applewhite uh, when we talk about football IQ, uh, good size. Emmett Johnson's just a winner, uh, just an absolute winner, great size, recruited by Ron Brown. Excited to see what he can do and how he can contribute. Uh, be honest with you, I mean, uh, that, that, that Texas connection paying off with A.J. Allen coming to Lincoln, 
and it'll be fun to see him do some things and, and get in the ball game. So you've got a room that you know some of the names. You just haven't seen a lot from from some of the names. And how are these guys going to get coached? How are they going to get coached up? What type of production will they provide in a offense with a quarterback that thrived with a thousand yard and Heisman contender behind him? Right, you saw yards, you saw points, you saw completion percentage, you saw a really good touchdown to interception ratio with Casey Thompson, and he had Robinson behind him. Whatever you can say a lot about Texas, and whatever you think of Sark's first year, but this complemented one another. The pass game, the run game in Austin, that's not what's in Lincoln that we know of. And can you get that type of production from the running back room to uh, to help your quarterback out and honestly it's been kind of an ongoing theme this week and and beyond but you're not going to have we think much if any quarterback run so it's going to be all up to the running backs to be giving uh, that that running game that balance to an offense good to be with you on a wednesday it's hail varsity radio mike babcock on the way as we continue on Hey, it's Schmitty. Want to tell you about a fantastic opportunity to work for a rapidly growing company that also enjoys the benefits earned with having competitive, stable history of work over 20 years? FSC. The FSC Edge, it's a leading technology innovator serving governmental agencies. Expert services helping worldwide patent offices meet strict processing and publishing timelines while delivering exceptional quality. They support some of the world's largest patent offices throughout the U.S. and Europe. That includes the European Patent Office. Office, the German Patent and Trademark Office, and the U.S. Patent and Trademark Office. The only group of companies worldwide to provide such support to all three of these agencies. Working at FSC, you have a chance to work with fun people with great attitudes and learn about patents. You're not on the phone. You're not customer-facing. It's casual dress. And the work environment, it's a new environment with over $2 million in improvements. You have access to generous benefits packages, company support for health and wellness, and you do impactful work on a national scale. Make a difference. Their team's constantly growing, and they're always looking for new people to join their mission. Check out what's available today at jobs at fsc.com. And we're back. Fellas, think we could listen to the radio? On Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Yes! That's awesome! Thanks for hanging out. We're streaming live as we do Wednesdays with Mr. Husker Football. It's Mike Babcock at MD Babs on Twitter. And you can find us on ESPN Lincoln's Twitter feed. And yes, ESPN Lincoln's Facebook. We say hi to Mr. Babbers. Mike, what are you doing? How are you? I'm I'm trying to keep up here. I've got Anthony Grant. <laughs> I'm writing these names down when you got, but I can't keep up with you. There, there's a lot of there's there's a lot of backs to go through. You've got Irvin, you've got Grant, you've got Yant, of course you have Ramir, and then you have Allen, and uh, and then you have Emmett. I've always wanted a running back named Emmett to come well, to Lincoln. And you're not even mentioning Brody Belt here too. Well, Brody's money. There's more names than you can keep track of. Well, and, and Babbers, you probably know the old Emmett Smith story, don't you? <laughs> yeah, he, uh, what was it? He showed up with a a red hat or a red T-shirt or something. He was a red jumpsuit. Yeah, whatever it was. And then it was, oh, yeah, just kidding, Florida. <laughs> um, yeah, Nebraska, Nebraska really uh, 
recruited him hard, and I think it was really it really did come down to Nebraska and Florida. So there you uh, go, Elijah. You I've never heard that story before. Yeah, well, the, the uh, E True Hollywood story is Emmett was was going to Lincoln. Solich had him. Okay, Frank recruited him, and then poof, Emmett's wearing all red, and I want to be a Gator. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think he wanted to. Um, his mom wanted him to stay in Florida. Is that was that what it was? Yeah, there's some insinu- there, there's some insinuation with uh, how that recruiting battle was lost that I don't have a thousand percent facts on that I can't speak to. Uh, it wouldn't be very ethical of me to yeah, speak no, that's true. speak and, about. And you know, it's a long time past. So yeah, so now yeah, it's okay. Was in, <laughs> was in the hunt for Emmett Smith. Yeah, Emmett Smith, Barry Sanders. Who else? Jamel Holloway. I mean, think of think of some of these guys that I don't want to say got away, but they got beat on or they lost out on. Well, they didn't lose out on Mickey Joseph. That was a big one. That's almost going after him too. Yeah, that was huge. That was huge to get Mickey, and now Mickey in turn doing work, uh, Babbers, uh, on the recruiting trail for Nebraska. I want to get your take here, uh, sticking with recruiting. Uh, Benny Nagoy, uh, off to Iowa State, had uh, 19 offers, really talented kid. Uh, and uh, Nebraska dis- was um, not the choice. And Nebraska has been uh, very active, though, Mike, with uh, where they've uh, gone in the recruiting world to, to, to land a lot of names for this 2023 class. I mean, that, that, that those uh, chairs are about full for 2023 as everyone's kind of waiting on Malachi Coleman, but Benny Nagoy, uh, an, an in-state product just down the street from Memorial Stadium, is, uh, is now off to Ames. Yeah, Nebraska's being aggressive about that, but I think you guys covered it. You know, I was listening. I think you guys got it pretty well, you know, that uh, you've got some you've got some guys that fit that sort of body type and, and at that position, and you don't want to get too carried away. Um, certainly out of respect, you offer that guy and you go after him and give him the opportunity. But, uh, you know, it in this day and age with the transfer portal, also involved in this sort of thing. Um, you know, it's probably good that he made a decision based on what he thought was best for him. Iowa State's a good program. You pointed that out. Um, he can have success there. And if he does have success there, I just hope that Husker fans don't look at it and say, well, you know, he he turned his back on Nebraska because of the things that you said um, it's not exactly that. And, you know, he analyzed, I think he analyzed the situation and thought, hey, I'm better off here than if, if I go into this situation because they've already got some, they've already got a receiver that uh, sort of uh, fits my description. And, uh, you know, they're still, uh, they're still in the, in the process of, and, and you said that they, they've got, what, five Nebraska commits already? There, there's um, 10 in-state commits, Babbers. I mean, the 2023 is nuts with in-state talent. Yeah. Yeah, and, and that's good. So I think that it's – It's a win for everybody. I'm glad for him that he had the opportunity. All those all those offers that he had. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm sure he gave a lot of consideration to Nebraska. But, again, you evaluate, you look at where you have the best opportunity, and uh, that's where you go. And, 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 you know, back in the day – it was a whole different dynamic because of 
transfer portal and NIL and all, you know, social media and all the things that were that are involved now, it's so much different for a young student athlete. Um, and, uh, you know, I wish him the best. I hope he yeah. has a lot of success there. Well, Mike, I, and I think the difference between this and some other former in-state guys who have stuck in Nebraska's craw is that Nebraska wasn't uh, last to the party on this one like there were a lot of other times. Think of Noah Fant. Uh, you think of Harrison Phillips. Uh, you think of Easton Stick, Bryson Williams, all these guys that have gone off and, and had success at other places. Uh, it's because Nebraska was either late to the party or, or didn't come to the party altogether in terms of the recruitment. I think that's a difference here. I, I think whenever you look at it and say, yeah, Nebraska recruited this guy and they decided maybe he wasn't the right fit and they, they let him go at the end or you had other guys you'd rather bring in, it, it sticks in the crowd a little bit differently than say a guy like Noah Fant where you barely even talk to the guy. He goes off to Iowa and is an all-conference type performer first-round draft pick. Yeah, no, I, that that's a great point. I think that's that's true, you know, that it's it, – a situation like fan sort of reflects on your recruiting. I mean, that, that's a <laughs> that's a negative in a way that this one is not. It doesn't reflect on your recruiting because you recruited that player. Um, in the case of fan, it's like uh, late to the party. Oh yeah, wow! Did we ever miss one on that? And and that is something to be concerned about because why didn't you see this potential and why weren't you in the mix? You know, whether you got it or not is, is not the question. It's just the question is whether you were in the mix because, you know, ultimately the young man has to make a decision that is in his best interest. And uh, that's what we see here. Mike Babcock's with us from HaleVarsity.com and Magazine at MD Babs on Twitter. We're streaming here on ESPN Lincoln's Facebook and Twitter. Someday we'll do a Babber's mailbag. We'll take questions mm. from the audience if or Grateful Dead <laughs> questions. Mike, my question here to you. I was you. trying to get somehow to get Tom Selleck's face on my <laughs> image here, but I so, couldn't do it. So what you're asking Elijah to do is is just grab a, a still pick of, of Magnum P.I. Uh, circa 82 with the Ferrari and just, Babbage, yeah. you look great. And I love the office look. You and Vogel have the best football office there is. I love the backdrop. I mean, you got that, that over your left shoulder, that that football. Is that signed? You got a basketball and a football. Are they signed by anybody? You know, the basketball was a given to me. I spoke at, at a, at a uh, service club out in York mm-hmm. after York High won the state basketball tournament. And they gave me the signed basketball. Oh, the cool. football is signed from 1978. Nebraska, the first year that I was at the Journal Star and covered Husker football, um, it has the coaches in the white, and then on the brown sections, uh, it has the players. So it's very very special to me um, just because that was the first year. An interesting footnote to that, sometimes signed footballs back in the day, you know, the uh, uh, maybe the assistant equipment manager or whatever would take it and say, I'll get it signed for you, and then they'd take to the dorm where they lived and have everybody in the dorm, uh, you know, sign uh, different names on there. But uh, there's a lot of names on here, and, and you can see I've seen signatures of, of people that are on there, so it's legit. So that means a lot. Uh, that's a that's a special thing for me. Do you have a, do you have a favorite piece of non-Nebraska or non-Husker-related memorabilia you got sitting behind you there? Um, not well. You know, it's, it's either Nebraska or York High, okay. basically, mm-hmm. my high school. That. That red uh, double-lot uh, bank there with the red helmet or whatever, that's Nebraska before when Nebraska had red helmets and 
Um, it's a bank, and the one next to it in blue is a York Highland. Okay. okay. Both were sold. Um, I've got a couple others. Uh, Omaha South, I think I had. I sent an Omaha South one to Dave Remington when he was. Uh, oh, cool. He, he's in New York. And uh, I didn't know if he really wanted it or not. And the next thing I know, I see on Facebook sitting on his desk uh, <laughs> in his office, uh, Omaha South. So uh, that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, it's all. It's all Nebraska stuff. I've got a brick on the floor here from the old field house that when they tore it down. That's um, pretty awesome. <laughs> a brick. Yeah, right. That's No, it, that's know. that's cool. Uh, that's really cool. Dolman told us about going uh, saving private Ryan and taking grass from all the bowl games. Yep. <laughs> instead of the sand from the from omaha beach or whatever the one character in, in private ryan was doing dolman's like yeah i gotta i gotta have one heck of a putting green from fiesta bowl to orange bowl to whatever mike just a couple of minutes a thought here uh one of the questions i'm interested in is who do you think emerges as, as we're making preseason projections who do you think emerges as nebraska's number one go-to receiving target do you think it's uh, Vocalek, do you think it's Palmer? Do you think it's Omar? Do you think it's Martin? I mean, who, who's who's the guy you circle? I'm the, the guy, I, I think it's going to be Omar. Okay. I, I really think Omar is going to be a factor this season in, in a way that he hasn't been to this point. You know, I just think that he has the talent, the size, um, and, uh, you know, I think it's going to be a good hookup between him and, and – uh, Casey. And, and we've heard this summer really the, about uh, a little bit more about the Thomas Fedoni knee injury that was suffered in the spring, which was a big rumor point. No one was really sure what was going on. We've gotten a little bit more clarity there where it sounds like Fedoni might miss some of fall camp, might miss a, a few games, but is expected to be back at some point this season. Is he another guy that you circle as a, a guy who could emerge as a, a top pass catching threat? Th- pass catching threat excuse me just because of what he did in high school and some of the things he's flashed in, in very limited playtime at Nebraska? I think he could just from the standpoint of this guy has is battled through injury after injury. I mean, if he comes back and is able to do something, there is a guy that is committed in such a way. I think a lot of a lot of uh, student athletes would have given up at some point, just said, you know, this is just not working. You know, no matter what I try to do, things go wrong. Um, And he has not been put off by that. I think a lot of people have probably written him off at some point just because of the injuries and stuff. But, uh, yeah, I think he has the potential. If he can come back in in some degree of, of good health, I think he could be a factor. And that certainly, you know, Volkolek could be in the mix because of the way they use a tight end. But, uh, yeah, Fedoni would, would be a guy that I think that if he can get healthy enough and, ha- and gets the opportunity, I think he has the talent to do it. And, boy, he certainly has the attitude. Yeah, he is mentally tough galore for sure. Mike Babcock with us from Hale Varsity Magazine, HaleVarsity.com. Follow him on Twitter at MDBabs. Mike, will check in uh, next week. Thanks again for a few minutes. Sounds good. I'll get this stuff written down here. <laughs> when you think of Union Omaha, what comes to mind? 
the high level of play, the inviting atmosphere, the amazing promotions, huh? I spoke to a former player, and when I asked for one thing that made playing for Union Omaha so special, he responded with the people, his teammates, the staff, and the fans. The super passionate, crazy awesome fans, that is. Why am I bringing this up? Because I want to remind you that the people are just as important to the team as the team is to them. There are plenty of matches down the stretch, and we want to see you in the seats. Get your tickets now before it's too late. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, Chris at HaleVarsity.com. Just try me. Try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. Good stuff from Mike Babcock. That interview is posted ESPNLincoln.com. Also, uh, be a part of the, the, the larger podcast, Hale Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, some burning questions to get into for the fall. We'll do that next hour. Also, uh, we'll check in with Bill Bender from the Sporting News. Benny Nagoy, uh, Lincoln High standout, off to Iowa State. That's what we kicked off with. Uh, We are efforting him today and uh, see if he joins us uh, a little bit later on in the show. You can join us. Dial in at 466-3776 or 800-800. 825-5865 or on Twitter at Schmidt underscore radio or at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. Chris at HaleVarsity.com is where the email goes. So Elijah, uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, how, how excited do you think college athletes, student athletes are to, to go to media days? To be in front of the the mics in front of the cameras, everyone's brand building. They're on their phones. They're putting out videos. They're they're doing NIL deals. There's appearances. I mean, so it's more of a a a, a social situation, uh, not just the uh, the reality of, of playing football on Saturdays and being a part of the grind and going to school. But now you're a bit of a personality, or at least some guys are. Some guys are, are still quiet and shy, and that's fine too but now it's almost kind of expected to be camera or mic ready or at least uh functional right Mm -hmm. Uh, and then there's then there's texas a&m and uh, today was supposed to be their session at sec media days and i don't know if if their senior whiteout aeneas smith is camera shy but he found a way to get out of doing it. Huh. Yeah. It enlightened me. We, I, I have not seen this yet. Well, this morning he was arrested on charges of driving <laughs> while intoxicated, oh. unlawful carry of a weapon, and less than two ounces of weed. Huh. That's one way to get out of it. That's one. <laughs> There's about three right there. So, Smith... Booked early Wednesday in Brazos County Jail after his arrest by A&M Police. Released Wednesday after posting combined bail in the amount of eight grand, according to the county jail records. So uh, ESPN obtained the police report. The arrest was on a DWI charge after he was stopped for speeding. Wow, we're just kind of hitting all the uh, mile markers, aren't we? Uh, You're speeding. You're under the influence. You've got less than two ounces of weed. You have a weapon that is illegal. You're unlawful. You're not licensed to carry it. 
and you're set to get jump on the old private J.R. Ewing jet to go off to media days. Yeah. No, you're staying home. And, and whenever I first heard this, like, oh, honest mistake. But now I look at it and go, this kind of sounds like the coach who got himself ejected from a baseball game because he's got somewhere to be. He's got an, uh, an appointment for dinner at 5. You know, he just wants to get out of there, so he's getting himself ejected so he can just leave. Like, right. Like, I've seen it, enough. I'm out. Like, he, he's hitting the, like, of the things you shouldn't have in your car while speeding, an unlicensed firearm and... Well, you're you know, under the influence. While under the influence. These are all things, like... Man, and and, and, and let's just add number six question mark to this story. Senior. Senior. Oh, okay. I mean, he's a, he's a senior well, wide receiver this, that was good enough to be brought to media days, this is which this, means you're more than a contributor. Could it be like a he needs a little weed to take the edge off before he goes and answers all these questions, you know? And, well, uh, and he's, he's got the gun in case someone asks him a question he doesn't like. I, I don't know about you, but the last thing in the world I want to do is, is jump on a plane, private or commercial, hungover. Mm. And if you're over the influence, theoretically, you're, you're, you might wake up with a hangover unless you're that special human that doesn't get hangovers. So the uh, probable cause statement obtained by the Chronicle... There was a rolled joint in the vehicle mm-hmm. and a gun with a full magazine and a round chambered during a search of the vehicle. Hmm. And listen, I'm not getting into the gun debate with anybody. No, there's a lot of hunters and gun enthusiasts that listen. Listen, so if you want a firearm, that's your deal. But you, you're licensed to carry. Well, let's, you've ob- taken, let's obtain you've it and t- own it legally. You've taken hunter and gun safety, mm-hmm. okay, theoretically, hopefully. So you have A&M issuing a statement that uh, Jim that uh, Smith has been suspended per athletic department policy, and Coach Jimbo's aware of the arrest. If you want a real punishment, you make him go to media days anyway and stand up there and answer the questions about that. That's how you, you really punish the kid, I think. You're going to make mistakes like that? Go, go field questions in front of the reporters about it. Well, can he leave the state if Good point. things are pending? Good point. You know who's going to leave the state without a tie on next time? Our old friend, the pirate Mike Leach. Part of more SEC media days. And uh, the pirate, we've talked a lot with him over the years. And he hates getting all dolled up, as he calls it. I mean, he wants his comfort shoes. He's a flip-flop guy. Uh, he'll wear the, 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 the track suit or the team-issued track suit. But he had a, a nice blazer on, a sport coat. He had his khakis. He had a collared shirt. And, and he knows the drill, but he wants to punch the guy who invented neckties in the face. It's utterly pointless. I mean, it's completely pointless. I'll tell you what I'm going to start doing with these ties. <clears throat> I mean, it's not really big enough to be a pib. It's just skinny. Okay, what's annoying about it? This knot, squeezing your neck, ingrown hairs on it after you shave, because typically tie things you shave. <clears throat> what I am going to start doing is, um, and I'll probably go to like, uh, uh, you know, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Salvation Army. Yeah. And we can get some ties, and then uh, I'm just going to flat out just yeah. wipe my mouth with yeah. it in front of everybody. So if you had so to, it serves a purpose. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like like eat a donut? <laughs> uh, pizza, a little oil hill? Uh, and, and, oh, yeah. And, 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 
I'm going to do that and make sure people see that to a point where hopefully they get rid of these things. I mean, because that is madness. Jesse, if, if, Jesse if, if, Langford is your guy, by the way. Uh, that's the guy. New York in the 1920s. Where'd he grow up? He was he was a New Yorker in oh, the 1920s. Uh, in New York. Clothes maker. He used his extra uh, his extra clothes, extra patterns, I guess, to for some reason make neckties. That's that's what he thought would be a good idea. Well, he's an idiot. And the thing is, <laughs> when when they invent a time machine, that guy's in trouble. <laughs> Uh, that, that reminds me, there used to be this, this steakhouse in Denver, it's not there anymore, but they used to have a no-tie policy, where they had this giant pair of, like, kitchen shears they'd bring around, and if you wore a necktie into the establishment, they'd, they'd come behind it. you and chop the necktie off and then hang it on the wall. Wow. Mm-hmm. No, our dear friends are Gary Michaels. I mean, I, I wear a tie, if, typically if I wear a sport coat, I wear a tie. So, and the old Danny knee ties, man, those were the best. See, I like ties. Do you? Yeah, you, I, I, you know if you're gonna if you're gonna dress up, you gotta go. You gotta wear a tie. I agree. You gotta wear a sport coat. More times than not, you wear a tie. And the the point is is how tight's the collar? Some of us have grown an extra chin or seven as we get older. That's the issue. It's getting that thing buttoned up top. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, 10 minutes away, Bill Bender going to be with us. Sporting news, his take on the Big Ten on Nebraska, on college football expansion, and the Irish. want to remind you about buckling up. Uh, using your seatbelt saves lives, prevents injuries, only if properly worn. Buckle up. This message from the Nebraska Department of Highway Safety Office. Good uh, feelings per Coach Applewhite. The the trajectories, the appropriate direction as Nebraska looks to hit the ground running uh, with the running back room come fall camp. It's just around the corner. We are in Indy uh, next week, Tuesday, Wednesday. It might be the Elijah Herbal Show Monday. I fly out at 530. Not intentional on that, but you'll be like, <laughs> dude, I'm going to throw a party in here. Well, I hmm, I never thought about that. Some really, legit throwing a party in here? You, you, well, <laughs> once upon a time, uh, there was some Howard Stern activity in this uh, studio. Oh, really? Not no. I, I was not part of it. Once upon a time, okay. So, I'm not going to press pre pre me okay. or actually post me <laughs> round one. <laughs> so it is National Hot Dog Day. Mm. Uh, Tomorrow would have been more appropriate because we the, the mother of all hot dog schnobs, we love him, Danny Burke, Beeson Sports Network. Well, he's got a reason to be a hot dog Well, schnob. he's he's a Chicago guy, so there's this, dude, our hot dogs are the best in the world, the, the Chicago beef, the, the Chicago dog sausages. I, I get it, but I, I'm sorry, but the, the Fairberry brand, especially, listen, you got the game dog, it's really good. But then you have the golf course dog, the the, mm-hmm. the the giant Tommy boy. Fire that thing up between rounds, or to help you get some, you know, teamed up with the tall boy or some vodka. I mean, it's it's a win. The hot dog, the golf course hot dog, is is pretty great. It's just behind game day dog. I'll eat any hot dog that has nacho cheese on top. See, that, that's my hot. That's take. how you eat it. That's better that way. It's it's the only oh, topping, and it's man. the best topping. It's followed closely. A Chicago dog with its toppings, like the that neon green relish, or whatever oh, they put yeah, on yeah, there, yeah. phenomenal. Don't get me wrong. 
But I've never keep really, it simple. Nacho cheese. I've ne- well, that's that's exorbitant. I've never dressed up a hot dog really. Like I'll do mustard and I'll do relish, but I don't have to. Okay. Really, I'll just eat them plain. Mm. Just give me the bun and give me the dog, and I'm good to go. Some, some griddled onions or like sautéed onions; those are phenomenal on top of a hot dog. Um, some next, sauerkraut. That's kind of what we've done in the Schmidt household. I, I like sauerkraut. I just like if if you just like cook up some onions. And then uh, you do the beer brought. Sweat thing. them a bit, okay. Sweat them a little bit, and then you throw a, a beer or two in there and throw your dogs in there and let it all meld together until everything's cooked. That's a phenomenal way to do hot dogs or brats, whatever you want to do. Are you, are you more of a, let's boil it and then eat, or are you, the best is when you when you get a game day dog that has, it's the, the bun is steamed. Mm. It's really good. But I, I like, I would go grill before boil. Depends, if, if it's just a normal hot dog, like a cheapo little hot dog, Boiling, it's fine. Like I'm just going for an easy meal there. But if I'm going all out in my hot dogs, I'm going to toast up the buns. Well, you've got your flat top grill, yep. so toast it up, and then hot dogs on the grill or on the flat top. That's a that's a really good way to do it. But you got to have the nacho cheese topping. Then, I'm telling you, don't sleep on it until you try it. No, I'll try it. I just I, I'm and I'm I'm out on ketchup. I know the world people love ketchup. My wife and, and kid just. We're, we're buying one of those 64 ounces a week because mm-hmm. they just <laughs> hammer everything. Mustard, Bill, though? Mustard? Oh, m- mustard and relish. Okay. It's kind of my go-to. Bill Bender, college football thoughts on the Big Red next. Storm Chasers fans, July 23rd is Faith and Family Night at Werner Park. Come watch the Storm Chasers take on the Iowa Cubs. And if you're one of the first 1,500 fans in the gate, you'll even take home a Bobby Witt Jr. Baseball America Player of the Year bobblehead. As much as that is a mouthful to say, that's an item you'll want in your collection. If that's not enough to sell you, though, how about a concert after the game? Top 10 Christian recording artist Corey Asbury will be on the mic. His music is Awesome. Bring the family, make some memories, and book your stay at Werner Park July 23rd. Welcome to Hale Varsity Radio, the voice of Husker Nation. Insight, opinion, expertise, with the biggest and best names talking Nebraska across the state. Join the show on Twitter at Hale Varsity and at Schmitz underscore radio. Call in at 402-466-ESPN or 1-800-825-5865. Here's Chris Schmitz. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery into Hour 2. We welcome in college football writer extraordinaire Bill Bender with us from the Sporting News. Find him on Twitter at BillBender92. Bill, football's around the corner. I, I can feel uh, indie shortly. Uh, we'll all be there uh, in, in a bit. Uh, how are you doing, man? How's the summer been? Oh, it's been good. It goes by quick, as you know, but uh, certainly going to be a lot of fun here as, as we get into Big Ten Media next week. SEC Media Day is happening today. I'm not down there. I'm going to go to Big Ten next week, but that means the season's coming. It is. Uh, I love SEC Media Day. It's one of my favorite people, Mike Leach, talking yesterday about Netflix, and uh, and we always chat with the Pirate about Netflix. And uh, what What kind of rating would you give – Coach Leach with the Obi One Kenobi Disney Plus. I assume you you saw season one of that. Oh, it was great. Uh, you know, I've watched that. I've watched a couple other things to pass the time this summer. Um, yeah, he he's uh, he he's great. Obviously, in front of the media, and I I just watched his thing on 
the neckties and, and people, his theory <laughs> on neckties. I mean, he is a funny one. He obviously, uh, I said these media days, I'm going to be honest with you, Chris, they don't, not a lot comes out of them unless something major happens like it did last year when Annette or uh, Texas and Oklahoma joined the SEC during the actual event. Yeah, that, that timing worked out well for, <laughs> for the SEC, not so much for the Big 12. Bill Bender with this sporting news. So let, let's fast forward here to Tuesday as we're having you know a third cup of coffee and Kevin Warren's uh, on the podium. Uh, any bombshells we can expect uh, maybe in the form of either addition or do you think that the Big Ten TV deal finally gets announced? Maybe. I mean, that that would be the only one that I could see making a lot of waves, but I don't know that it's done. I, there's probably some other pieces to that that are going to come. I mean, obviously, a lot of people are talking about speculating about what the future of Notre Dame is, and I think that's something to keep in mind here over the next few weeks that, um, you know, perhaps Notre Dame is the next piece in that uh, or the next few years. Uh, what they do with their television contract and how long they, they make all these conferences kind of woo them, so to speak, for their services in the next chapter of college football. You know, that that is uh, that's a, a big woo you gotta go after, right? And right. what's what's your what's your gut tell you about Notre Dame? Do you think they can get the seventy five million that they want from NBC and stay independent? Or do you think it ultimately comes down to them having to get in line uh, for the rest of their Olympic sports, you know, in basketball, can they can they get the same deal they've had in the ACC with, with for a, for a more stable and and payday they won? And, and and I guess the the Big Ten with with Big Ten play ball with them on that. Maybe I you know it's I don't think the Big Ten is going to give them special treatment though. You know they're going to have networks that want them obviously and, and and that brand i don't know if it'll be nbc coming back to them or however it works you know i mean they're, they're in that weird unique position like i said where it's not just the networks it's the conferences it's you know their uniform company and all of those things are very lucrative when it comes to the irish no matter how they're doing on the field and you know for the people that say they're overrated they're not they one Ten or more games the last five years. Um, they might not be national championship caliber, but they're playoff caliber every year now. And I think Marcus Freeman's going to make them an attractive program for years to come. You know the the fact that they've been so good for for this run uh, post the four and eight season speaks well. Uh, the, that difference, though, that's rarefied air, Bill, from playoff caliber to to national champion caliber. Uh, I want to go into the Big Ten and uh, Ohio State, the, the favorite in the league. O- Ohio State, uh, one of the favorites for the national championship. As you size up the, the Buckeyes, and we'll know more here in a week, but uh, can can they be a little bit better defensively this year? And do you think they can can be a little more physical? I thought last year, as good as they are and as good as they were, uh, I was surprised to see Ohio State get manhandled like they were uh, against a Michigan, and it was it was a physical game against a physical team in Utah. I just thought Ohio State wasn't as as tough as some past Ohio State teams. 
Yeah, they were soft against the run, and obviously their scheme will change a little bit with Jim Knowles, the Oklahoma State defensive coordinator that really did a nice job with the Cowboys in terms of their scheme and, and getting tackles for losses and getting pressure on the quarterback. And big thing is stopping the run. They couldn't stop the run against Oregon. Couldn't stop the run against Michigan. Michigan had their way up front with them, and I think the Wolverines are going to be pretty good up front again this year. So it's that contrast in styles, and, you know, you're going to face some problems at some point when you're playing all these Big Ten schools. Bill Bender joining us here, Hale Varsity Radio, a few minutes at Bill Bender 92 uh, is where you find him on Twitter. Bill, uh, want to go to Nebraska here. Fascinating uh, with uh, this fifth season for Scott Frost and uh, interested to get your read and your take. You've followed Nebraska. You, you know about Big Red history. You know Frost's lineage here. But, uh, man, as a national guy, what's your take? What's your feel uh, on the Big Red as they head into this fifth season? Hey, you're wondering if this is the breakthrough year. Um, you know, not just a bowl game, but can they compete for the Big Ten West? Can they turn some of these close losses into wins? I mean, they played with – they had a r- ridiculously tough schedule last year. Mm-hmm. Nobody's not saying that. But when you see them play them close, and I, I used the analogy from that Ohio State game last year, I mean, if that fumble bounces the other way, they probably beat the Buckeyes. You know, they if they if, if the calls goes the other way, they might be Michigan, but they're not. It's that combination of the wrong play at the wrong time, penalties at the wrong time, discipline at the wrong time that continues to bite Nebraska, and they've got to rebut that trend. At a at a certain point, you have to buck the trend. Have you spent much time thinking why? It's one thing to have missed opportunities; it's another thing to have been close as long as they've been close in those one-score games, when you look at the, the total uh, one-score losses within that, that body of 29 losses in the Frost era. Why do you think it happens from your perspective? What, what's your take on the program that continues to stub its toe? Well, I mean, turnovers, on-the-field mistakes, penalties at the wrong time, like I said. I mean, they – Adrian Martinez would make tons of plays, and obviously you know, then the turnover would come at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. And – that they've got to protect the football and if Casey Thompson is the guy that can protect the football if they can run the ball a little better um like I said avoid penalties and turnovers at the wrong time and they just added up I mean I go all the way back to that Illinois game where you saw I mean that was the opener where you thought I mean if Nebraska they've made all these mistakes yet they're still in position to win the game late I mean they've got to avoid those things to, to get to that point. And I know that sounds simple, but that's what's led to all those one-score losses. Bill, a, a thought on Casey Thompson and uh, what he can do. Uh, what, what's his ceiling, in your opinion, when you look at the landscape of quarterbacks in the Big Ten? Got a returner at Minnesota, a returner at Penn State, Iowa and Wisconsin come back with quarterbacks. O'Connell is in your top 25 of, of of quarterbacks heading into the 22 uh, season, where would you slot Thompson in, in his ability? Well, I think he's a guy that he obviously uh, showed flashes. He played really well in spots for Texas last year, especially in the Oklahoma game, had a monster game. Um, 
and I think he'll fit well. I mean, that's the thing. Nebraska responded. They, they got a new quarterback. They got a new offensive coordinator. If you saw the work that Mark Whipple did with Kenny Pickett, if that could rub off on Casey Thompson now, granted it's on an accelerated timetable, then, yeah, you're like, why, why can't they have a success? So I, I like him. I like his passing. And I think, uh, you know, the fact that he was going to transfer from Texas with that experience shows that he really wanted this opportunity with Nebraska. I mean, it's a, but with transfer quarterbacks, the tough thing is you, you – it doesn't happen every time. But I always say when you get a transfer quarterback, in theory, you get the best out of them in their second season. Mm-hmm. You know, Joe Burrow proved that and some others. So it – you got to temper your expectations somewhat because he is a first-year transfer. Bill Bender's with his Sporting News, Hale Varsity Radio, talking college football, some Nebraska. Is it too much to ask to have or expect a breakthrough year? It's one thing to, to get at bowl eligible and you know be in contention for the West. It's another to to, to jump from three wins to nine wins. But but some say that could happen. But you have a whole slew. Bill, of new offensive coaches. You've got the pressure of year five. You've got an offensive coordinator in Whipple that we, I think, can be really good, but it's all all new and it's all year one on top of 15 transfers. So if you're to project here, what, what, are you, uh, what are you pegging for Nebraska? Best case scenario, bowl eligible or seven wins, or do you think they could really, really have a good season, a surprise season? Best case scenario is they, they compete they, they have a chance to win the Big Ten West at the end of the season. I mean, they, again, they, they've proven they can play with Ohio State and Michigan. They, they've got a kinder schedule in the non or the crossover games mm-hmm. this year. So best case, they're in Indianapolis. Worst case, you and I are having the same conversation <laughs> about going six and six or five and seven, mm-hmm. and the same things keep happening, and you wonder if it's Scott Frost well, you know, the same things I've had to say in November for the last three years. So yeah. I think that's a, that's a pretty you – know, so that means something probably in between happens where they mm-hmm. go seven and five and go to a bowl game. Bill Bender's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Bill, with the rest of the West, Iowa, Wisconsin, Minnesota, how are you uh, How are you slating the uh, the other contenders in the West? Well, I mean, you know, Wisconsin, if, there's a big if there. It's Grand Mertz is the guy you know, with Braylon <laughs> Allen transferring over. Can Graham Mertz be efficient enough to get them back? They've got a lot of good pieces on their defense coming back. Iowa, same thing. Spencer Petras. I sound like a broken record. It's like they're going to be very good on the defensive side of the ball with Jack Campbell and Riley Moss and some others. Can they be, uh, you know, more than just a consistent team in the Big Ten West? And that's the striking thing about this. When you talk about the Big Ten, the Big Ten West is so – Backseat to the Big Ten East. I mean, and deservedly so in some ways. I mean, they haven't won a Big Ten championship game. They've gotten blown out in the last three or four. I mean, last year, the Michigan, I don't know about you, the Michigan-Iowa game was over before halftime. So, I mean, at what point does the Big Ten West have a champion step up and beat one of those bad boys from the Big Ten East? It's got to happen in Indy sooner rather than later, Bill. While there's still a Big Ten title game uh, between East and West, right? And uh, you can get a win by an Iowa or a Purdue against some of the heavyweights, but 
they, they've been about it. <laughs> I mean, Wisconsin's not done it. Minnesota's, I guess they did tag Penn State in that 2019 season, but you're, you're not doing it uh, for a, a trip to the playoff, per se. Bill, we'll get you out on this. I want to get your take. Expansion of the Big Ten. We, we, we spoke about Notre Dame. Uh, USC, UCLA. Do you love it? Do you hate it? Or are you just here to watch? I mean, what do you think of the additions? I mean, I, I, I would say I'm neither loving it or hating it. I, I think it's for a traditional guy like me, and I know you're kind of a college football traditionalist mm-hmm. too. It's weird. Yeah. It's weird to say, hey, USC, Big Ten champs. I mean, this is a school that dominated the Rose Bowl. Um, Growing up in Ohio, we grew up not liking them very much. Um, so, I mean, for them to be in the Big Ten is wild. Um, I think it's good for the conference to go coast to coast. That's what they clearly intended to do here. I think it's good for Nebraska because now with the conference being coast to coast and with the potential for more Pac-12 additions, Nebraska kind of becomes the midpoint. I mean, at least geographically, you look at it. So, you're in Nebraska, you can say, hey, we can go recruit west and east and try to pull kids in. I think it's going to work out for them in the long term. I think they become a winner. Um, and it's fun. I mean, I think we're headed toward this super conference era. It's going to be something new. And, and to be honest with you, Chris, it's like I've been predicting the same old stuff for eight years. Mm-hmm. And we're probably going to get the same old stuff this year. And you wonder how much longer you want to do that. Well, got to shake it up a bit, and uh, from a model standpoint, the NFL's uh, been ruling the the airwaves for forever. They are incredible. It's been must-see TV, and you're going to have two super conferences, potentially a third conference, and you'll have an expanded playoff bill, and uh, everyone will be uh, swimming in a river of money uh, with TV deals, so... Uh, there you go as the adjustments continue with NIL. Bill Bender with his sporting news at Bill Bender 92. Follow him on Twitter. Bill, we will see you in Indy, bud. Thanks for a few minutes today. Hey, no problem. Thanks for having me on. Good to get caught up with Bill Bender, Hale Varsity Radio, and uh, get his take on how things are at and pretty cut and dry, quite honestly. It's turnovers, it's uh, making plays in the fourth quarter. And right now, you've got a bit of a drought with quarterbacks that that wow, right? Quarterbacks that wow in the Big Ten. McNamara is returning. Sparty returns their guy after 11 wins with no running game, at least known quantity. But they didn't have that last year. And then Aiden Aiden O'Connell is the only guy really ranked in the top 25 of the quarterback rankings. Like what you hear? High-quality radio and podcasts are just part of what we do at Hale Varsity. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor. I wanted to offer listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we do, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's hailvarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Chime in 402-466-ESPN or email the show, chris at hailvarsity.com. Just try me, try me. Back to Hale Varsity Radio. 
Thanks for spending time. Hail Varsity Radio presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. You can uh, find and email us, chris at hailvarsity.com. Uh, do so on Twitter. You can interact with us there at Schmidt underscore radio, Chris Schmidt, and at Herbal Essence for Elijah Herbal. And uh, don't be shy uh, either about checking the podcast out. Tell it a friend that, uh, hey, uh, on your terms, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, give us a rating, good, bad, ugly, whatever you want to do. Hail Varsity Radio, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play. Uh, good stuff from Mitch Sherman when it comes to camp looming and uh, some of the questions that, that exist. <laughs> some bigger picture questions uh, when it comes to the head man and the offense, and, and that's on my mind. It'll be fun to, to spend time with Travis Vokalek next week uh, at Media Days and get his take on things, but the the real question here, one of of many here, is uh, that that offensive control, and we hope it's to, to to have a chance to sit down with Coach Frost as well. But as much as Frost has been involved in offense uh, when he got into coaching, both sides of the football really at Northern Iowa, and then you saw his talent uh, at Oregon, and then the, the ascension to offensive coordinator. And, and then also the, the head coach that was a play caller. And to be frank, if you're a coach and you you put in the grind and the time and there's the recruiting aspect of it, there's the administrative side of it, there's the logistics, I mean, all of that stuff, you like kids and, and you want to see them get better. That's why you get into it. You're, you're, you're a people person when it comes to, to young folks in football. But what what – you really kind of wind your clock, I would think, is the ability to design and then see your work executed at a super high level. And and then also the admiration. Wow, dude's a great play caller. And, and that's what was so special about one of Scott Frost's favorite people, Tom Osborne. There's nobody like T.O., with the headset on that was head coach and the play caller. Very, very hard to do. T.O., Spurrier, who else? Who else am I missing? Those are the two. Otherwise, the head man finds a really good OC and delegates. Right? Um, I, I assume, I haven't ever asked the pirate this. Is he also the play caller? The OC? I know he's a quarterback coach. Well, but I think you sent this to me, that, that little expose with all his former quarterbacks yes, from with, Washington with Coach State. Leach. Uh-huh. Where they said once he got comfortable enough with the quarterback, he wouldn't even be sending out the plays. He'd just send out a formation and say, what, what you, do you think is going to work? You're here? the doctor. You're the guy who gets to see the field from a better angle than me. I'll send out a formation for you. I'll send out personnel. You call the play. Well, with the... Ex- uh, the expectation being it's a pass play, I'm sure. But pick which route combination you like here based on the defense. You throw it to the bleeping guy that's open. Throw it to the open guy. <laughs> no, what's funny about that, and this this story from The Athletic was reposted, and it was funny because it was quarterbacks that you go all the way back to 2012 in Washington State. <laughs> and we're guilty of this, but I, I just got a chuckle out of it because – when we talk to Leach, it's a lot of times not live. Sometimes it's live, but we listen. I can't promise that we'll have Mike Leach on at five oh five because Mike has his own watch. Okay, coaches 
awesome and great, and he's been awesome to be on with us for, for a lot of years. But I'm not going to say, hey, Mike's coming on at 5.05 Central, and then Mike calls at 7.30 Central. <laughs> yep. So you just pin him down on his walk to practice or when he's wakeboarding. Or at Washington State, he'd always walk to practice, so he'd go over some glacier that's covered in flowers and, and grass to, on his way to the stadium, and, and we'd chat. Well, his players got loose on this chat talking about, A, they didn't want to set Leach off with some random question towards the end of the meeting because it'd be another three-hour meeting on, on the pirate talking about whatever. Could be neckties, could be Breaking Bad, could be Netflix, could be marriage proposals, could be... The economy. The like- economy, like it was any anything and everything where like some players like got pretty good at it where they'd go get to the end of a meeting it's, and they'd want to frustrate their teammates by going now coach what do you think of the Dow Jones and what it did today well the coach would just go for an hour he would but the fact is is they're sitting waiting for forty five minutes because of and I quote some damn ESPN radio show. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, I got to go. I got to get to practice. Oh, I got to go. I got to get to a meeting. But little, little did you know. You know that, was just, that was just Schmidt and Elijah with, <laughs> with the pirate. But back to Frost here. Giving up control. Do you worry about that? Do you really worry about, I mean, it's okay to, to question and, man, that's his baby. That's, that's his thing. Listen, I think his want, first and foremost, is to keep a head coaching at Nebraska. So what's going to what's going to make him a better coach? He's had a lot on his plate. And you go get a guy like Whipple who's seen and done it all, who's been really good, and you let Whipple do his thing. You pay him shy of a million, he comes in and he's going to he's going to tutor your quarterbacks better than what you've had. That's the plan. He's going to get things nailed down concept-wise, and it's going to be someone else's problem, but ultimately your problem. So you better have chosen wisely. Otherwise, don't want to think about it if you're a Nebraska fan and you're in the Scott Frost corner. So I think absolutely he that's part of growth for him. He's a young coach. People brought that up with his win-loss record, and you got to kind of grow into it. And the Big Ten's not necessarily a place to grow into it and survive. And, and that's what we're talking about here. So I, I do see him stepping back, handing off. That's, that's what the hire was for. But it's okay. You'll have input. This is what you'd like to do. But ultimately, yeah, let, let Mickey do his thing. Let, let Riola do their thing. Mm-hmm. Marry it together because it... Find a way to be more uh, accurate at what you're calling, when you're calling it, and just be way better. <laughs> be more efficient for the love of God, and I think that can happen if you delegate a little bit and then go around and, and clean things up and then also learn from some of these other guys that have been at big-time programs it, for a while. And part of this growth, that I think we've seen this offseason, is realizing I'm not going to keep a, a Power 5 head coaching gig by being offensive guru Scott Frost. I'm going to keep a head coaching gig by being head coach yes, Scott Frost. there's a difference, right? A big I mean, I, I saw it last year 
up close and personal with the Broncos. I guess I should say over the past couple years. Vic Fangio was not head coach Vic Fangio. He was defensive guru Vic Fangio. And his defenses were awesome. Still. But mm-hmm. he fell so short in terms of duties of a head coach. Press conferences. Um, managing your team. Um, just the, the things that come up uh, as a part of being a head coach. Understanding how to use timeouts and how to use challenges. He failed on so many of those fronts that... The, how good he was as a defensive coordinator and as a defensive mind and how good his defenses were year in and year out in Denver didn't matter anymore because these same issues kept coming to the forefront of why'd you use a timeout there? Now you only have one left for this final drive and they can run the clock out. Mm-hmm. The little things like that where you realize he was too focused on being defensive guru Vic Fangio Doing what he liked. coach Vic Fangio. And, <laughs> and that's the growth we're seeing from Scott Frost is sometimes you got to take a step back in the things you like. You love being an offensive guru, Scott Frost. I know you do, and you are. And I hope your, your influence is still on the offense this year, but not on the practice field, not on game day. I hope it's there in the film room when you and Coach Whipple are sitting there breaking down your opponent or breaking down the film from the weekend. In that situation, you can be offensive guru Scott Frost and you can give Mark Whipple your opinion. You guys can work together to formulate a game plan. But on the practice field, you have other responsibilities that you need to go handle. Uh, during a game, you have other things you need to go handle. And we've seen those those issues rise to the forefront in the past couple of years whenever he's being offensive guru Scott Frost instead of head coach Scott Frost. Well, head coach Scott Frost... His job is to fix special teams. Head, head coach Scott Frost's job is to have a running game that can pick up third and three. Head coach Scott Frost's job is to have uh, everybody on the same page. Making from, sure you have seven guys on the line of scrimmage instead of thinking about what offensive play call you're going to be calling next. Right. And, dude, it's not, it's not the norm to be able to do all of that. And, quite frankly, T.O. delegated. He had another head coach on the defensive side of the ball. He had Chuck doing his thing. He had two greats coaching the offensive line and Milt and, and Dan Young. I mean, you, you were, you, you knew what to do. This was the game plan. This is what you wanted to run offensively. And you were two or three steps ahead. So you can hand it to Schlesinger on, on, that fullback trap that you put in for Miami, and you knew you were going to run in the fourth quarter, and and you were covered. You were covered because you had pros on your staff. Nebraska didn't have power five pros on their staff when they got to Nebraska. It, it just what's not that, that's that's not against, anything against the the guys that came with them from Central Florida, but you made changes. And for the sake of Nebraska fans, you hopefully have upgraded at some positions as a, at offensive coordinator, at receivers coach for sure. One in the same at least a year ago. Now you got Mickey right that is going to demand the best out of an Omar Manning. He's time will tell if he gets the best. But now you've got Mark Whipple. Is he going to develop and, and find not only a quarterback for this year, but have a dude ready to go next year that's on campus now? And then a guy like Harburg, that's really a talented kid from Central Nebraska, can he turn the 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 Carney Catholic standout into a future pro? Whipple's done that. I mean, you, you you have that. And then from a running back standpoint, can you find a guy or two you believe in and let him run the damn football? Versus who's going to run it this week and why is a wide receiver playing at running back? I mean, it, it, all those things as we talk about going into year five and we talk about letting go of the offense if you're Scott Frost, push comes to shove. The, the difficult part, though, is it, it's your ass this year. 
So you better have made the right call. And, you know, if you're a Nebraska fan, the one thing you don't want to see uh, is uh, a what-if situation here come November. What if they don't get to 500? What if they don't get to bowl eligibility? What if what Trev sees, Trev doesn't like? And you make a change, you put that staff that brought it, got brought in here in danger of, of, of returning. And, man, I, always, I still always wonder what 04 could have been with the changes that Frank made. Didn't get the chance. Uh, a jock doc's on the way. It's Hale Varsity. Hello, listener. Hey, it's Chris Schmidt with Hale Varsity Radio, and I wanted to let you know about a special deal just for listeners of the Hale Varsity Radio Show podcast. We're offering $10 off the annual subscription price. That means that you can get everything we do. 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe and enter in the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com backslash subscribe promo code GBR. He's in his 30s, but sounds like he was born with a stogie in one hand and a brew in the other. Now, say my name. It's Schmitty on Hale Varsity Radio. I got the body of a taut, preteen Swedish boy. Back into it at Hale Varsity Radio, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Time for a Jock Doc Wednesday, Nebraska Orthopedic Center. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us. Dr. Brandon, how are we doing? I'm great, guys. How are you guys doing? We are doing well, and uh, training camps have kicked off in a couple of spots and more NFL action around the corner. Fall camp uh, gets underway for a lot of the college football programs uh, in uh, the near future as well. And let's talk about the quadriceps, Dr. Brandon, and all sorts of interesting things happen to the old quad. Uh, you have squats and squats that uh, guys and gals continue to crank out in preparation uh, to build strength in the that, that muscle. And you have uh, differences between strains and tears. And Dr. Brandon, how how often do you see quad issues with athletes you know we see a lot chris um what you just mentioned is you know it's huge you just think about we've had a lot of conversations on our show here about you know the youth sports and just the amount of training that you know young athletes are doing and just athletes in general trying to prepare themselves for you know maybe potentially a college career even professional career so we do see a lot of these you know fortunately the the vast majority of these injuries are more kind of on the sprain slash strain side where you kind of stretch the muscle a little bit need to rest a little bit do some rehab and they, they recover and they usually recover fairly well um you know similar to like having issues with your hamstring um kind of on a different side of the thigh kind of same deal where you always worry about kind of retweaking the muscle you're kind of more at risk of having more of those events occur um you know as we always do on the show just kind of thinking about anatomically where this is so as we mentioned kind of quad muscle quad musculature you, know, you have a couple of different quad muscles that are in the front aspect of your thigh is basically where these are uh, these allow you to basically kind of bring your hip up into flexion so as you're kind of sitting in a sitting down position that's hip flexion then as you bring your basically bring your knee all the way out straight lift your foot up on the floor make the leg straight that's what we call knee extension that's also one of those quad activities that uh, occurs um, so you think about how much you utilize that with any type of athlete 
athletic endeavor. Um, so yeah, seeing a lot of sprains. Uh, fortunately, we don't see a lot on the rupture side. They're out there in terms of you know basically tearing the quad at the point where you tear either through the tendon or more in the muscular part. Um, and those are a much bigger deal in terms of just treatment and obviously long-term recovery. You know, I think of a couple of guys, uh, Saquon Barkley with his quad issue, trying to get back to to normal form or, or great form, uh, Boogie Cousins in the NBA. And is it kind of a, a nail-in-the-coffin type deal for athletes if they rupture their quad or – have you seen folks make uh, recoveries? What's what's the healing process like on your end and repair from a from a from a surgical standpoint for a quad? Yeah, you know, a lot of lot in terms of looking at it from how we kind of classify some of the hamstring injuries as well. Um, what we do is you can kind of break it down as to where the tear is, and so you know, again, fortunately, most of these are kind of in the muscular region, um, and so you kind of get tearing in the muscles itself. And then there's obviously varying grades of that. You know, kind of grade one where there's just a little bit of some stretch up into grade two, where you have more of higher grade kind of partials tearing, and you can go up to a grade three, where you kind of tear all the way to the muscles. So kind of you know, big spread there. Just looking at it from a muscular tear type perspective. Um, you know, those typically heal fine with, you know, not doing any surgery. The big issue is, you know, the higher the grade you go with those, the higher the risk is of re-injury and also kind of the lower the kind of return to play uh, kind of uh, percentages in terms of getting back to that same level or higher. So there are some of those really high-grade quad tears that can occur that are mainly muscular-based that potentially don't need surgery that some of those athletes don't ever either A, make it back to the same level, or just kind of struggle, some never make it back, you know, at all. So there's kind of that camp, but again, if you're going to have a quad injury, that's kind of where you want to be is on more of the muscular tear side, muscular strain side. They do tend to have better recovery rates, return to play rates. Then say, for example, as you move either up or down the quad, let's say, for example, as you kind of move down the quad as it attaches onto the top of the kneecap, that'd be the quadriceps, uh, the main kind of quadriceps uh, muscle, muscle slash tendon, and that's what allows you to kind of extend uh, your knee um, and so a tear in that area where you basically kind of tear all the way through that tendon that needs surgery, those have a much lower kind of return to play rate, definitely have more kind of morbidity associated with them in terms of recovery. Um, and that's just kind of a different animal dealing with that versus more kind of in the more of the kind of muscular based tears, if you will. Dr. Brandon, can you take us through really what some causes of torn quads are? I mean, the, the guys we've listed here, Saquon Barkley, DeMarcus Cousins, they're guys that seem very, very powerful in that lower half. So is this an issue where, um, you know, a, a guy is overstraining a muscle, whether it's he didn't stretch it out well enough before, didn't warm up well? What, what leads to a, a torn quad? Yeah, you know, great question. So, uh, you know, from that perspective, definitely some of those factors. So we see it a lot with folks that are doing these really kind of high-intensity lower body workouts where you're kind of getting to that kind of max fatigue point. Uh, so you kind of reach that point. You maybe push just a little bit further beyond that, and that's the point where you kind of put yourself at risk for injury. Uh, you take another group of folks, either A, is not hydrating well. We see this a lot in our young athletes. They're, you know, they're hitting the supplement part hard, but they're not hitting the kind of hydration side very well so the muscles get you know kind of dehydrated not enough fluid 
um, not much, not enough nutrition, and so then it kind of puts you more at risk for having these injuries. You start to cramp up while working out. That can also put you at risk for a big tear. Um, then the other thing is, you know, from a warm-up perspective, that also plays a big role. And also just from a stretching perspective, the hard part there is you kind of look at the, da- the data on you know, how do you improve flexibility, what type of stretches do you do, um, dynamic versus static. There's all these kind of big arguments out there, so it's hard to travel down that pathway. But we know that that in some way plays a role, and that'd be more on the warm-up kind of stretching side. So that's part of it. Um, the other part of it, too, is, you know, not doing a good job of kind of working on the whole kind of systemic picture of, of your musculature, making sure, you know, if you're not having great balance between, you know, front and back, whether it's hamstring quads or imbalance, that can also put you at risk for having issues. So if you're really kind of banging away in your quads but not doing a good job, either A, stretching your hamstrings or strengthening your hamstrings if imbalance develops, that also puts you at risk for rupture. Uh, so those are big things. I would say probably the thing we see the most is, there's probably some folks out there that are just putting on so much bulk and probably are physiologically well beyond where they probably should be. And so just that stress or going outside the envelope of your physiology really puts you at risk for tearing. We see that a lot um, in these injuries. And then also just the kind of chronic overuse thing is something we see at times, especially in our young athletes, just doing too much, not taking enough of a rest. And those would be big factors. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us in Nebraska Orthopedic Center. We're talking quad injuries. Dr. Brandon here, about a minute. What's the recovery time like? What's, uh, what's normal to come back from a torn quad to get at least back on the field? Yeah, you know, typically these are more kind of lower-grade sprains would be the vast majority of what we see. Most folks are typically getting back between that kind of four- to eight-week mark, uh, kind of similar rules for hamstring. You want them really to be at that kind of 80 to 90% kind of strength before you let them return. Uh, that's pretty typical. Once you start to get, you know, really high-grade, you start to tear, you know, 50% of that muscle or more. Those folks are looking at probably three to six months to get back. And then obviously the big one is if you tear into the tendon, if you say it you know, goes all the way across the tendon, needs surgical fixation on that, then you're looking at somewhere between probably a high-level athlete, probably nine months to a year. Dr. Brandon Seifert with us, Nebraska Orthopedic Center at Jock Doc Wednesday. Dr. Brandon, have a great rest of your week. Thanks for the update today. Thanks, guys. Take care. Pardon the interruption, but I'd like to save you some money. I'm Brandon Vogel, Managing Editor of Hale Varsity. And I wanted to offer listeners of this podcast $10 off the price of an annual subscription. That means that you can get everything we produce, 10 issues of our monthly magazine, our annual football yearbook, and all of the premium content we produce at HaleVarsity.com. Just go to HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe and enter the promo code GBR for $10 off a full year of Hale Varsity. That's HaleVarsity.com slash subscribe, promo code GBR. Miss us? Come here, brother. Give me a hug. Bring it in for the real thing. We're on call for you. Catch the podcast at HailVarsity.com, the ESPN Lincoln app, or download them on iTunes. Saddle up, partner. Back to Hail Varsity Radio. One final time, it's Hail Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. Excited tomorrow. We'll spend some time with Jay Moore, Blackshirt Husker NFLer Jay Moore, Danny Burke, Pride of Chicago with us. Then Gary Barnett, Barney, back from the golf course. And then we're uh, gearing up for a Friday. Many thanks to Bill Bender, Sporting News. Awesome to get caught up with him. Great stuff from Mike Babcock. And, uh, of course, uh, big thanks to Dr. Brandon Seifert, uh, Benny Nagoy. Sometime, 
this week. We'll get it handled. Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal. Elijah, what's on the docket tonight? You got a ball game to run? I'll be here doing uh, Salt Dogs as the Salt Dogs finally broke their losing streak yesterday. So uh, that'll be exciting. Hoping for another win tonight for the Dogs. Other than that, uh, not too much. I, I am going to be my sister. Um, she is going into her senior year at Lincoln Southeast. and awesome. she is, She's always been the athletically gifted one in the family. Um, she was a gymnast growing up and like could always do more push-ups and sit-ups than me, which really frustrated me whenever I was like... But you could... I was a good football player. You was, could keep her from getting the quarterback. Oh, 100%. 100%. <laughs> but um, within the past couple weeks... Uh, She's been out, you know, going playing catch with her boyfriend, you know, the high school couples, how that is. And he's like, why didn't you play softball? You're really good. And she's like, oh, I'd never thought about it. So she's going to go try out out for softball for the first time ever. Um, We'll see how that goes. But I'm going to take her out to the baseball fields tomorrow and impart my knowledge onto her, which is not that much, but... You want to get somebody to pitch so you can get behind her with your up mask on and just punch her out. (laughs) That's true. But, like, I've gone to the batting cage with her before, and she, having never played any organized baseball mm-hmm. softball in her life, is a better hitter than me. Um, I, I think I got a little bit of a better arm than her. Um, I, I got a, I got a cannon that I can pull out sometimes. But <laughs> just, just for those of you scoring at home, Elijah lifted his right sleeve up, kissed his bicep, and said, <laughs> "Yeah, I got a cannon." Well, there are times out there whenever you know I'm umpiring and the catcher asks for the ball over the head, and I just whip one up, just an absolute seed back just, to the pitcher. Snap! You hear the pop. Yeah, and it's just like. Sometimes i got to prove I still got it, you know? The people out there, they, they want to see an umpire with a real cannon. Brother, <laughs> we were at a field last night, and I felt bad for the high school we were at. I felt bad for the kids. And I'm not Mr. Snob where we got to be playing at a turfed infield or outfield all the time. I, I get it. I grew up playing Babe Ruth and, and ball as a kid, so I know that you just want a diamond and you want to you want to play. You love the game. But the, the place we were at last night was just, it was embarrassing mm. to, for, the, for the kids to be on and for really no access for um, some of the, the elderly. And I know I sound like I'm whining, but seriously, I mean, it was just, God, I, I wish I'd hit the lottery and then we could just throw money at that LPS to do something about their baseball fields. I, We've been saying it for years now on this show. Lincoln needs a, a, a high-level baseball complex. Well, and the homeboys at um, uh, the, the powers that be that, that have the city's interest in mind are, are working on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're, they're great folks, and they're, they're, they're going to make it happen. It just, it just man, but you I'm, have- I'm, I'm happy th- as much as gas sucks and driving to Omaha for, for Legion Ball. We've been to some palaces. I mean, the Big Ten has got to be envious of what some of Omaha has. Well, Omaha has the biggest youth tournament in the nation every single year. That's an hour away. You don't think you get in on that if you have a good baseball complex in Lincoln? I know they would. They'd completely crush it. Back at you tomorrow at 4. It's Hale Varsity, presented by the Nebraska Lottery. A Huda Media Production.